Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Madcap. I'm David Ross. And I'm Daniel Bloom. Ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to listen to is an experiment in sound. Today, we offer up a special treat, a visit with one of our favorite guests. A motley crew consisting of myself, Dan, and our good friend Ryan Martinez took a northward drive to meet up with Cameron Argon, better known as Big Chocolate, ahead of his headlining gig at Philadelphia's Soundgarden Hall, alongside Jay Rabbit, Flinch, and the boys from Mantis. Before the performance, we took Big Chocolate on a sacred pilgrimage to visit a temple of culinary Philadelphia, Jim's Steaks on South Street. Hailing from the great state of Nevada, Cameron Argon had never before sunk his teeth into one of these rare delicacies, and Madcap was there to ensure this dream became reality. We had a lengthy and enlightening summit with Cameron that you'll hear in just a few minutes. But we begin by stepping into Jim's Steaks with a soundtrack of Blue Milk, one of Big Chocolate's greatest hits. So what city are we in, dude? Uh, Philadelphia. We walk into Jim's Steaks with Ryan Martinez, David Ross, myself, Dan Bloom, and Cameron Argon, Big Chocolate. All right, let's talk about this for a second. Yeah, I feel like I should get onions. Okay, so that means whiff. Here's how you order. You got three choices of cheese. Provolone, American, or Cheese Whiz? Provolone's the one that tastes not like the least about like cheese, right? I mean, that's like the least cheesy cheese. Yeah, but it? Cheese Whiz is like an experience. But I'm like, a, I'm not a big cheese guy, so Provolone's like my jam. All right, straight. So Provolone okay, and let's, onions. Let's step aside for one second. So what you want to do is roll up. Roll up. And you just want to say, provolone with. Fuck with me. Or provolone with. They're not going to put like mayonnaise on it or no. anything? Just say provolone with. That's it. Provolone with onions. No, no, just with. With what? They know. It's grammatically confusing, but. I, but do it. Wait, 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 wait. What I'm does that mean? That, that's what the does or, that mean? That's the ordering I, convention. That means a cheesesteak uh, with provolone cheese and onions. Provolone with. No. Only if you uh, ask for it, which I do. I like a cheesesteak hoagie myself. So, the, why can't I just say, can I have a cheesesteak with onions and provolone? You could, you could say that, but the, the, like, the local ordering convention is you can, only, you can order this with two words Provolone with, and that's, that's going to be that's cash it. only, please. That's right. Damn it. I got you. Awesome. Fuck with me. Say two provolone with and see what happens. Alright. Yeah. This is your time to shine. You're taking the city tonight. Awesome. I know, right? Yes, sir. Hi, how's it going? Um, two provolone with. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, dude. It's a real deal. No doubt. You see how you see how many like pounds of yeah, it's a lot of onion. It's a lot of onion. It's a lot of onion. I want the bottom onions, just down there. I, I like onions. I recently, it's a new thing for me. I recently got into onions. They make everything better. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Oh, fuck with me. Happy day. You got a tip jar? 
Yeah. Keep it. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. This is a perfect thing to do. It's the most cultural thing you can do. Uh, you know, it fits our time frame and everything. And it's close by. That it is. Upstairs. Oh yeah. We're not fucking around. No, we're not. This is real deal stuff. Isn't this awesome? Yeah. Very unique. This is super, unique. This is super Philly, man. So this is remarkable because this is Cameron's first taste of a cheesesteak ever. Yeah, it's supposed to be a big deal, isn't it? Well, you know, you get to decide how big of a deal it is, really. It's only just a sandwich, but still pretty damn good. It's also uh, If salt. I went downstairs and I went, is it just a sandwich? Well, you get slapped in the face. It looks a lot bigger than it is. You eat this really fast. I mean, the, the bread is outstanding, isn't it? Everything about it. The bread is the fucking <laughs> The bread is a sleeper, though. Because nobody's like, oh, let's go eat some delicious bread. But when you're eating the cheesesteak, that's really most of what you're eating. Gym steaks, recommended. It's really plain, too. You know what I mean? It's very basic. Yep. They know what they do. They do it well. All right, who's ready? I am. Just a few hours before showtime, we hopped in the car and headed for Cameron's Hotel a few miles away. From the Red EP... This song is called Talk Walk. I've been getting first class upgrades a decent amount lately. Oh, because you're like... I'm like Delta Savvy. Delta Savvy. Thank you, you sir. Gentlemen. How are we doing? Doing very well. How are you? Thank you. Are we checking in? Um, no. This gentleman to our right is a guest. Okay. So we're just going to hang out for an hour or two before we go out to a show. Okay, no problem. We cool. What's going on, man? Please style official, dude. After parking the whip, our quartet ascended into the Grand Hyatt Hotel in Philadelphia and began our conversation, the deepest in madcap history. Topics of discussion were no less than life and death, hmm, staff infections, the art of podcasting, and his outstanding release, The Clean EP. And now, Madcap with Big Chocolate, The Philadelphia Session. Madcap DC, it's like Madcap USA. It's Madcap. It's Madcap World. Madcap World. Who's who's speaking right now? Mm, me. Who are you? Uh, my name is Cameron Argon. Um, commonly referred to as Big Chocolate. Did you say calmly referred to as Big Chocolate? Commonly. Commonly, <laughs> yes. This is my uh, second Madcap appearance. Yes, yes, yes. Round of applause. First repeat guest in Madcap history. Uh, we had so much fun with Cam in D.C. that we had to drive up I-95 when we heard he'd be playing at Soundgarden Hall. And here we are in the Grand Hyatt overlooking, what river? Is that like the Delaware River or something? Does it matter? <laughs> Does it matter? <laughs> Shout out to Madcap for making the drive. Shout out. Exactly. Shout out to Jim Steaks. I was just about to say that. Okay, what do we just do, David? We ate cheesesteaks, and some of us had yoohoo afterwards. We did. We have we have Ryan Martinez with us. That we do. What was your cheesesteak order? My cheesesteak was uh, a cheese. It was a steak hoagie with, but we never determined what the with referred to. That's none of yeah, your business, really. Why would you order like a pro, like a pro local? Two steaks uh, with. Wait, two uh, provolone with. That's it. Provolone with. We should Nailed also it. mention that I, I think Cameron's just come off of a, 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 a slight hiatus from coffee, and you've you've dove headfirst back into it. I, well, my daily routine is like go to the cafe, 
and uh, I have to get out of the house because if I don't get out of the house when I'm working, I just sit, sit at home all day and I go nuts. It's a dark place. So I um, take like a, it's a mile walk total, half mile there, half mile back, and I go there and I read for an hour and drink a latte. And then I'm like, my mind's kind of going because I've been reading and uh, any phone calls I have to make, I make the phone calls and I have the caffeine going. So I'm instantly in a good mood and totally motivated. And then I go home and jam it all out. How was Snow Globe? Oh, man, that was beautiful. Have you ever been to a winter festival before? Awesome. So the best parts about Snow Globe was uh, it was like a, it, like the, the acts playing are really like kind of wide open. So just the kids that go are like, it's not like dance kids. It's not hip hop kids. It's just like kids. You know what I mean? They're not kids, though. They're like college kids. Um, people. Yeah, they're kids. But uh, <laughs> yeah, people. But bigger, slightly bigger kids. Humans. Oh, the whole thing is Snow. Snow was coming down the entire time. It was like, it was amazing. I've never real, seen, real snow or fake yeah, snow? Real snow. It was cold. It was really, everyone's in, everyone looks like, like they came from a ski lodge. Yeah. Like everyone's like, some people are actually wearing like ski boots and stuff. Like literally just came from going skiing. And uh, it was nice because South Lake Tahoe is about 30 minutes from where my parents live. So my whole family got to come up and they don't really see what I do at all. So it was nice for them to get like a higher end kind of exposure for like sort of what I do. And that was sweet. I played a really great set. Um, it was like the first set I've actually practiced for. Like I went to my buddy's house and like tried a bunch of different ideas out and kind of got that down. And it was awesome. Bauer was playing right before me in another stage and his set ended like the same time I started. So like all this crowd just kind of swarmed over. Show my music. It was sweet. They do the same thing. It's called Snowball out in Colorado. Yeah, just have it. I'm keen to play that one as well. Let's transition to album talk. Let's talk. Let's talk about some clean items. You want to talk about clean? Last time we talked to you, Redheaded Loke had just come out, and you leaked us tracks from the Red EP. Oh yeah, Redheaded Loke was was working on tons of music, and it was kind of like like it was all over the place. That album's all over the place, and that's what I wanted out of it. And um, the Red EP was kind of just like leftover motivation and drive from everything I had with that. Since Blue Milk was like the kind of the, the bigger track on the album, I made like a good amount of trap songs in the Red EP. Again, all of them kind of experimental. I made Old Friend. Actually, Old Friend is that little guitar lick I made when I was like, I think 17 in high school. And I was going through my old hard drive one day and opening up like really old files from like three, four years ago, and I was finding like all this like really cool stuff. And I just stripped it and made a new song out of it. I've never had so much fun just like making whatever. Cause it's really kind of experimental. There's like guitars, it does like, kind of like the whole like trappy vibe to it. I think that track especially is more trappy than any of the other stuff on that EP. Because it was the first one I did and I was kind of like just coming out of the trap stuff. After that, I basically just set out to make like really melodic, kind of hip hoppy, but but not like all of it. I wanted it all to be like driving music, just with a lot of bass.
made clean, I, I feel like it was really different. I was actually really nervous about it because I was like, this is, this is like the, my favorite stuff I've ever made, and like this is definitely. Like the, I feel strongly about this than everything else. But it was a risk. Yeah, because it was definitely different. I didn't know how it would be recepted or how like other producers, DJs would even view it. But at the same time, I didn't really care. I don't want to be an act that like it's stuck to one thing, which is why I keep wanting to just change it up constantly. But I think I'm going to stick with this kind of like clean outlook I have right now. The newer stuff I've been making lately is even more clean than clean was. Cleaner? Cleaner. Cleaner. More stripped down. Antiseptic. Yeah. <laughs> Sterilized. <laughs> it's the hand sanitizer of electronic music. Old friend. So the title, it seems to me, would thereby refer to like your old self who were making these kind of bass tracks back in the day. Is that the case? I guess so. Um, all these tracks have code names. And like some of them, like Travel Play was the, just the code name, which is just what you call like the MP3 when you bounce it out at the end of the day to send people. And I was like, Travel Play. that just stuck it's funny because I have uh, some old-time fans that are fans from like when I was doing the vocal videos and stuff and I made this music uh, this big chocolate album called CMA my senior year of high school and uh, it's all like weird stuff like the clean EP but it's not it's just like random beats and stuff and like just experimental music and a lot of people from that like follow me from way back in the day they all said it reminds them of that stuff and I was like sweet because it reminds me of that stuff too so it's kind of nice to kind of go f full circle and uh, I feel a lot more mentally refreshed now about music Club music, it's like there's no sense of just like going to town with whatever you want to make because you're more so catering to the clubs and DJs. But when I made this stuff, I didn't want it at all to be like catered to any of that. I wanted it to be like listening music. But then again, if I play it in the club, I want it to go off as well, which is why there's so much low end on a lot of that stuff. listening to Madcap with Dan Bloom, myself, David Ross, and special guest host, Ryan Martinez. This is our second visit with Cameron Argon, titled Madcap with Big Chocolate, The Philadelphia Session. We're discussing his album, The Clean EP. This is the exemplary opening track titled Bypass. What effect does that give a track by by giving it a context of like you're in a jungle, you're in like a 
a swamp or something. In Bypass, that's how I started that whole track, as I wanted to make it all out of sound effects. I wanted to make a track using like only soundscapes and stuff, but I felt like if I used um, weird ambient background stuff, it would give it kind of a more organic feel. And then it's like this gorgeous, it sounds like a Chinese or a Japanese harp or something. I can't even remember the name of the instrument, but it's just like some weird little, like half a bar riff that was just like ding, ding, ding. Bypass, I knew for sure I wasn't going to be playing in clubs because it's, it's just too weird. Like the other stuff, I, I definitely play in my sets, but I don't know, maybe I should play Bypass. You yes, should. you should. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not here to tell you you should. I'll take that back. But the three of us are all floored by that track. Bypass has a different master than the rest of them do. Bypass is a lot more dynamic, and uh, the stuff here on out will be a lot more similar to the way Bypass sounds. When I was making Bypass, I would do this thing where I'd play the Big Fish trailer and mute it and play Bypass at the same time. Because, you know, you know the movie uh, Big Fish? Yeah, well, Ewan McGregor. Yeah, they have all these like, random things in the trailer, like, because it, it's basically the movie is a story of that guy's life and all the crazy, all these crazy stories. In telling the story of my father's life, it's impossible to separate fact from the fiction, the man from the myth. The best I can do is to tell it the way he told me. If there was one thing you can say about it, boom, boom. Well, that I was intended for larger things. So in the trailer, it's kind of like a flashback of all these like weird memories, but they don't really explain anything if you have, the, if you have it mute. So when you uh, put bypass instead, it almost looks like a video. Like there's even a part where like the guy swings a bat and like it, it's the same part where the bat comes in on the track. When I did that, I was like, whoa, what's that? So you're saying this is like a Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, <laughs> Wizard of Oz. If you watch Clean and Big Fish at the same time, Big it'll... Fish trailer. Oh, the trailer. Yeah, I should it'll do something weird like that. But um, I'm trying to get more on the licensing side of music. So when I make more clean stuff like that, I feel like it's way better marketed towards licensing and companies using stuff for their trailers. And I think I should just like pair that up and put it on the internet just for the hell of it. I think... Um, licensing has opened up like a completely new world for you because first of all a lot of your music i think fits a lot of a lot of like sound scores and like like movies and stuff like that and I, mean, I heard your song in a trailer exactly i was watching tv and i'm like damn that's that's big c take off your clothes what i have to know if you're wearing a wire people took something from me i'm gonna put this right so let them steal something you steal it from them and i get a small piece it's not the size it's how you use it who the hell are you? Parker. Parker. Rated R. In theaters January 25th. How did that work out? That was kind of random. Like the whole movie trailer type of shit is like what I've been wanting to do since I started making music. That trailer was kind of random. Like they just approached 
me and like we're like we want to use this and we're just like yes uh we did the whole dealio and whatnot and that was like my whole first taste in licensing and uh we've been jason and i have been trying to like get a licensing company um jason's my manager shout out to jason um trying to get a licensing company on board with uh my music because i feel like if i had a licensing company behind me pushing me and really shopping the stuff to all the stuff i could focus only on licensing music and like just sitting down and making just whatever i wanted with soundscapes in mind and not the club in mind so i just got a licensing company called lip sync like really recently and i'm really excited to like sit back and start writing like electronic rock music along with like kind of the stuff like bypass and just see where it goes like make stuff with that specifically in mind um actually I should just talk about this right now so i did this first run with j rabbit uh, about two weeks ago, because the tour was broken up into two parts. We had four shows on one weekend, and then we've had all the rest of the shows this week. We had a day off th- this week that I spent in Michigan. And I got on from the thing, and it, I had, like, this really big mental click. And, like, I was on the phone with all my people all day, like, trying to, like, get out what I was feeling. And I basically came to the conclusion that, like, I don't care to be a really big DJ. Like, I don't want to be, like this huge iconic DJ uh, makes your own music rock star kind of thing that DJs have like DJs are the new rock stars you know what I mean yes you watch like an 80s music video of like those hair metal bands of like Motley Crue and they're playing like the same size crowds that DJs are like the DJs are the new rock stars I knew I didn't want to do that but for some reason like I'm going that route my favorite thing about music is not the traveling it's not DJing it's not doing all like the stuff and like looking like a hot shot or trying to convince people that I'm a hot shot because when you when you're a DJ and an artist you're trying to sell your name you know what I mean you're trying to convince everybody that you're like the coolest dude in the world and uh well you're not you're not trying to do that but like you know what I mean like that plays a factor like you got to be the dude that's the game yeah it's not just about music and like I don't care to do it like I don't care to have that final result and what I really want like my favorite thing with music is sitting in my office making whatever and like my music isn't really just club music in general and i don't know why it's taken me so long to realize this like redhead loke is all over the place like none of that is club music you know what i mean but it is at the same time all my stuff has been like more directed towards clubs and whatnot because that's i've I've been djing so when i make this music in my head i have that like mental thing in my head that one day i have to play this in a club and when i make this music i think of it making it live and playing it live even though it's really different aside from what DJs are typically playing, I think about playing it live. Like, everything off Redhead Loke, I've played it live at one point, even though it's not live music. And same with the Red EP, and same with uh, the Clean EP. Like, I'd be really surprised if there's some DJs out there, like, dropping some clean tracks in their mixes. But um, I think that me DJing constantly and, like, taking this route kind of puts, like, some limit on my music. And I feel like if I didn't have the DJing part, my music would free up a lot more and I would make a lot a lot more of just electronic music and just music in general of just weird stuff if I didn't have the whole like DJ tendency in the back of my mind like if I was if I was sitting down writing a track in the back of my mind I know I have to I have to play this in a club or I'm, I'm gonna DJ it and stuff if I don't have that element to my my game I think my music will open up a lot more and that hit me really hard and really obviously even though been kind of what I'm trying to transition into, but just uh, more writing, producing, and uh, making music for 
other people and whatnot not so much myself or like doing remixes and stuff but just more so like background work is what I really want to transition to in the long run but I always thought it was going to be so hard to do and I thought the easiest way to, to do it would be to work my name up just everywhere I could so I've been running full steam on everywhere so I'm usually traveling on the weekends and at home trying to make music all week and like all of a sudden it clicked like I should not have the whole playing clubs in my game at all right now if I really want to be doing this kind of stuff I need to focus full stream on it I think I could really get into it the whole like doing sessions with up-and-coming acts and whatnot or like doing sessions with like rap group and just making sweet beats with them and stuff I think that would be a lot easier that's what I really want to be doing I think the easiest way for me to be doing that is just to start doing that kind of stuff like I think the route I'm taking as far as DJing goes is great and everything and it's all really positive and it's all going well but I think I need to kind of refocus myself. So after Warp Tour, I'm going to take like probably like, I don't know how long, but definitely a good break from the clubs. Like I want to play festivals and whatnot. And like I'm starting a new uh, residency in Seattle. I think it'll be probably like four times a year at this club called Foundation that just opened up. And it's a baller. Cool. It's like I, the first time I walked in, I was like, man, this is way too nice to be in Seattle. But it was packed and it's not like it, it, it's, it's a dope club. So I'm excited to be doing that. Of course, you also have to find a way to pay the bills. And yeah. playing out has got to be the easiest way to do that. So licensing would be a crucial bridge, which you're trying to do. Yeah, licensing is definitely like I think a lot of people who make music don't really think about. Like they think it's like I, I'm sure they like they think it's cool and stuff, but they don't really know how to like approach it because they're trying to like do their own thing. But like licensing, I think is where like that's where a ton of money is at. Hell yeah. A ton of money. For like they'll pay you so much for like 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And those bigger movie companies, yeah. they have like, like when they have a budget to do a movie, it's like millions of dollars. Exactly. So like for them to kick you like 10, 15 grand is not a big deal for them. You know what I mean? So you like, you do one of those a month and that like covers like two months of playing on a weekend or something. Like, so I'm not, I'm not really stressed about money at all as far as not playing clubs every weekend. I do all my music independently. So when kids buy my, my music, it like, it supports me and what I'm doing. And a lot of other DJs don't do that because they, they, a lot of them link up with labels. And I don't know how that stuff is really done, but like I, I do a lot of my stuff like just straight from the, the ground up with the fans who like it. And I usually try and sell it pretty cheap. Like you can buy almost all my EPs right now for like three bucks. I think you buy clean for like three bucks. And this Americano I'm drinking is like three bucks. <laughs> so it's like, I think when you not market it like that, but when people know that, they don't feel weird buying it. You talked about sessions. Seattle has a pretty up and coming hip hop community. I mean, yeah, like, in, no, like Seattle sure. and like Vancouver, like so, like what they do up there. They're they're like some really good lyricists. Uh, that that's that's a good market for you. Yeah, definitely. no, totally. Seattle's always had like kind of an interesting uh, scene, I think, especially for the West Coast, because they they kind of have a, like, it's not West Coast hip hop, but it's jazzy. It's it, yeah, it's real weird. Um, and they've had like Blue Scholars is from Seattle. And they've they've always had dope stuff. Tommy Chong by Blue Scholars featuring Macklemore. 
Hey, whether you ballin' or broke, wanna find the most hot? Just follow the smoke. Everybody wanna fly, but nobody wanna know how that whole thing started. Whenever you were born, yeah, go back farther. Deep in the jungles of the Ganges River, 2000 BC, see Hindus and Sikhs, shitloads of weed. Very first plant cultivated for the fabric, and anytime they burned it, the people started dancing. Medicine man put the people in a trance, then they transported west, brought by brown farmers, shared with the Rastas, and said it's called ganja. Greeks and the Turks traded gold for dope, and soon Shakespeare smoked the shit and wrote dramas. Soldiers Napoleon led rods, civilians of stashes of hash, took it back to France with him. Christopher Columbus, first drug smuggler, slaves made to grow his shit, but smoked some of it to laugh at the master. Plotting his disaster and everywhere the immigrant went he had a drag that My good friend Greaves, obviously, and then uh Macklemore and Ryan Lewis Brit Brit blew up this year. Yeah. Bringing Seattle to the forefront. Um and there's just a lot of good people in Seattle. Um I recently started uh linking up with this dude named Chase. He's like a, a video photographer guy that uh my friend Finn, who runs a blog called Stuff You Will Hate, shout out to Stuff You Will Hate, uh linked us up and um He's just like a really creative dude shooting weird videos all the time. And I think I like definitely down like collaborate with him all the time. Uh, my good friend Budo, who uh, he's a producer. Uh, he's mainly like a musician. Like he's really good at just like playing out. He has like all these instruments and he could play like the trumpet and the guitar and like the keyboard and all this other stuff really, really well. He's really creative and we mesh great together. Actually, I think we, we might be doing an EP together. We did... Uh, our first track together. We've done a few, a few tracks together. Um, he was on that Truman's Tale. Truman was the name of our bus driver at Warp Tour. That's how we met, and we just thought it was funny. Um, shout out to Truman. Yeah, shout out to Truman. Yeah, that guy was that guy was a trip. <laughs> <laughs> All bus drivers are kind of weird. One time I was playing in Kentucky and the same venue I was playing, there's two rooms and the other room, Fox Shazam was playing and those guys were on Warped Tour when I was playing so I was stoked because I haven't seen them since Warped Tour so I met up with them. Uh, but when I got a ride to the hotel, we had to pick up their bus driver and their bus driver told us this gnarly ass story about uh, he something happened to like his chest where he got like a, a I think he got like a, a staph infection and it's like he got some I can't remember what the hell happened to his chest in the first place like he got an operation done and it got infected and it, it just becomes a big hole in your like your chest so what he did is he stuck a t he rolled up a towel and stuck it inside of him and then drove two hours to his doctor. And then when he walked in, the first thing they said was uh, a gunshot wound. Like like you walk into ER and it's like, is, that, is this a gunshot wound? Because he had a giant hole in his, a giant bleeding hole in the middle of his chest. And then they then he said they could smell the infection because it smells like an infection, or it would smell the poison. Or uh, that's what that's what he said. And then when he goes to the doctor, the doctor started crying, and uh, he was like, what the hell? Like what what are you crying for? Like I'm the one with this thing. He's like, because I have to cut you up and fix it, and you can't go under for this procedure. I guess it's one of the most painful things, because you can't use anesthetics or go under. And then they literally have to cut you open. And he just said, he's like, well, what if you don't, if you, if you don't do this? And he's like, well, then you're going to die. 
and he's like, well, get to cutting, and like, like legit, like Civil War status, like bit a belt, and uh, the doctor pretty much did like open surgery on him when he was totally awake. That is gnarly shit. Special shout out to Truman. <laughs> no, this, this isn't Truman. This is uh, whoever was driving. Well, he's, he is a true man. So shout out to the doctor. Jeez, God. dude. Yeah. Shout out to all doctors. Like, they have to do <laughs> shit like that all the time. That, Democratic oath in the house. Straight up. That has to be so rough. Um, yeah, dude. Like, could you imagine? Uh, he said, like, he just went into, like, you can go into that mental space. You know what I mean? Like, there's a mental space where he, he got into where he just couldn't feel the pain anymore. That is some zen right there. That guy, that guy was vibing out with himself. Like, he just, like... I don't know. I don't know if that's. A, I don't know if that's what he calls a blacking out out of pain yeah. or what. But he just said he went to a space where like he just couldn't feel it. And then he was like talking about like women can do that really easy with childbirth because that's supposed to be like one of the most yeah. painful things in the world. They have a much higher pain tolerance than men. Yeah, he says that they can get to this like this weird mental spot where they can't feel that they doesn't hurt anymore. And uh, he, that's I guess he used that same like that's kind of crazy like to get into that headspace after being like do all that traumatic shit of like driving two hours with a giant hole in your stomach you probably i'm surprised you can drive that far you know what i mean ruined a towel yeah ruin that <laughs> towel that towel is never going to be used again the hotel was Soaked really in mad staff infection poison i wonder what that looks like like if it looks like blood or if it looks like blue blood we should get something to eat after this the worst part <laughs> is that it smelled bad that's crazy that he teared up the, the doctor, doctor was crying. The doctor teared up. That is the last thing you want to see when you go to the doctor. He starts bawling. It's like, next hospital, please. <laughs> I could never do that. Shouts out to the doctors. This is Madcap with Big Chocolate, the Philadelphia session. And now for something completely different. I love the tangent that this conversation just took. Yeah, I'm yeah, really a big yeah. fan of that. We're in Philadelphia, ladies and gentlemen. Podcasts. You can just talk. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I recently just got way turned on to podcasts, and I've never enjoyed... Like, I, I was watching Frasier and shit lately. Oh, <laughs> no. Like, like, he's like a talk show ra radio host. So I was like, man, this stuff... I, I wish I could just watch, listen to Frasier talk about problems all day. And like... Uh, not Fraser himself, but just something similar. So I like, started going through the AMs, not finding anything interesting. And I was like, kind of gave up on it. And then I got like, I don't know why, but podcasts all of a sudden came to my mind. And now I'm like, I think it's the coolest thing in the world. Because it's, it's literally just like Joe Rogan was saying something about it. Johnny Carson will have an interview with someone and he brings on an actor or something. They talk for like 10 minutes in front of a bunch of people. And there's a whole like national television suppression going on mentally so you can't really get into anything deep you ask a few questions do a few jokes and then do some promo for whatever you're on the show for plug the product can't get yeah. to the heart of something yeah it's like how cool would it be to get take some of those guys and just like literally sit in a room with them for like two hours and uh talk to them and that's what he was saying he was like give them a glass of wine and a joint and just talk their sweet little hearts out i think the whole podcast game is definitely unique well, we are enjoying the shit out of it, personally. Yeah, yeah we yeah, are. I, I, I was thinking about how much effort it takes to do that. 
Shouts out to Madcap. Madcap. <laughs> Shout out to Madcap. Madcap. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. Well, it's like the age of information. There's so much information out there right now. It's kind of what people have been calling this age, this age of information, with the internet and everything, and you being able to, like, literally kind of learn about whatever you want to learn about at any given time. For free, basically. In any form, also. Video, text, audio, anything. And you can read message boards and everything. Sometimes I think being able to listen to things twice as fast is a really nice feature because there's so many things that I want to learn right now that I don't have the time for. Like I was talking to my mom and I was like, don't you think it's weird that like you just kind of stop education at a certain point? After you're done with like college, you're just kind of done. Don't you ever want to like go back and like listen to like, like when current events are going on, you don't want to watch the news. You know what I mean? The news I feel like is the worst way to know about current events. You want to hear someone who's like actually into the thing and listen to them talk for like an hour or two a few times a week not like read some like horrible weird newscast to get good ratings but you want to like learn stuff you don't want to hear some like weird cnn bullshit you know what i mean you want to learn what's going on or like i want to learn stuff like simple things that i feel like i i know about but i don't know like thick and thin like things like uh the korean war like certain things that are like i know the basics, but I don't know like the full thing, and I, I feel like there's no really easy way to learn that stuff unless I want to go like listen to like a lecture at a college or something, which are open, and I could go check that out. But like that doesn't make sense for me because people have lives. I was talking to my mom. That's basically where we came to the conclusion that is we don't do that, and we don't kind of like further education with current events and stuff in that whole kind of like college format of like listening to so like a professor talk about something for like a good two hours because it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't apply to our lives. iTunes University, my friend. We have way too much stuff going on to, like, sit down and, like, take a class. If, like, uh, someone who's, like, 35, 40, and they want to go back and get a degree or something, I feel like that's... It's not tough because of their age. It's tough because they have a life at this point, and they have things they need to be doing. And I was like, well, re reading is a great way to do this, so I'm going to start reading. And that's when I started reading. I started reading Stephen King books to get myself into reading more. Um, and then I was going to switch to, like, history books. And then I kind of got in this podcast game, and I found out that there's people that just talk about things in history. And I was like, this is awesome. I can just go to sleep to this every night and learn all the things that, I guess are kind of useless. Like, when am I ever going to use the knowledge of Genghis Khan? But, like, I feel like that's, like, important, and it's interesting to me, and I want to learn about it, and, like, I, I kind of figured out a way to, like, make it work for my lifestyle, which is, like, I could listen to these, I listen to these all the time when I'm flying, which is usually a waste of time anyways. So I feel like if I was reading, which I usually do, but podcasts, I can cram a lot more information than in a book. So I, if I listen to these weird podcasts at twice speed, I can just like cram stuff into my mind. about here all alone because that song is amazing that's my favorite one too it's so good i thought that one would be like the kind of the highlight of the album and it it wasn't as big a highlight as i thought it was going to be but it's got harmony work the drop comes in an interesting way 
I was doing the more minimal trap style stuff, like Buyer's Side and Blue Milk, literally just using a few elements to make like a, a lot of energy of bass, kick, snare, some hi-hats, and a sample. And like how much energy you can make off so simple stuff and not having to do some weird complex chain and make wobble 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 and have like all this crazy stuff. I don't know, it, it, it's stupid because that stuff is like, that, that's what a lot of house music, minimal house music is, just like, I, I, but it took me a while to figure that out. It has to click for you as a, like a producer or an artist to like really get it. I feel like unless it clicks, it doesn't really make sense and you're just imitating if you don't really understand it yet. So when I was doing that stuff, the trap style stuff, it clicked for me. Hero Alone is kind of like that, like you don't really really know when to like when it's the drop unless there's a sub bass. As soon as the sub bass in it, it's like total cue of like, yeah, this is, this is what makes you want to move. bugging out on some really weird stuff lately like that uh, knock demon track I sent you guys I did this weird thing where like I layered all the sub bass with white noise like there's a lot of bass but it also has you could hear it in your speakers and that's because all the mid-range and that's basically like the trap 808 grindy gritty sample layered with uh low end and like i was do like a uh, right up has the same kick to where it's kind of a gritty but if you use white noise you don't need to use that gritty kick it gives the actual bass presence because the bass the sub bass you're not hearing it you just feel it i think that's actually a more of a rock technique heavy track it was like the a knock demon stuff that was massive yeah i want to talk about that too yeah, that yeah i'm doing this new project called small face it's uh with dj two stacks and dj two stacks is uh he's a hip-hop producer he's from new york city uh but he lives in la now and uh I, his uh biggest beat is uh Krayshawn's gucci gucci that went gold so he's uh i guess a certified gold producer <laughs> nice <laughs> Shout out to just like a brain of really organic, original, awesome sounding ideas. Like I don't even know how he does it. He just like sits on his computer, bugs out, and uh makes like these crazy things. 
And I was like, stem these out and give these to me and we'll make crazy stuff. So almost all the sound design, as far as what the sounds are, are all his stuff. And then I just structure it and mix it and arrange it and whatnot. And that's what Small Face is. like a great collaboration between us because it's like two puzzle pieces we both have different very like specific sets of skills and when they put them together it, they both work really well he's really laid back about what I do with his beats too What are we missing from the album? Anything? I got, I got. Well, from the album, we've got. Uh, we didn't talk about Ride Up because you wanted to mention that that sounded like Mimosa. You that sound like Future Trill. We were talking about that earlier. That track just sounds like it'd be at home, kind of next to like jam bands or at a festival or something. Like there's more spaciness to that track than you would ordinarily hear from somewhere in a club. Yeah, and like it's a lot more like good vibe music. Like it's more about driving music and listening music than like, oh, so and so's gonna come down and melt my fucking face off. It's gonna be out of control. Like it's, I don't wanna be about that anymore. We can tell since we met you, you've come out with two EPs since then, Clean being the latest one, like it's really clear that you're maturing in your production really fast. I feel that as well, but I feel like I need to get it out there. I feel like it always takes like nine months to a year for everyone to catch up with what you're actually like sitting on or when it's released. So I think it's gonna be like nine months to a year between where Clean really defines what I'm going at. You're listening to Madcap with Big Chocolate, the Philadelphia session. For a man only in his early 20s, Cameron Argon has developed a deep perspective on life. Here, he shares valuable lessons that came from a painful experience. The loss of a close friend, Mitch Lucker, lead singer of the band Suicide Silence. It's like a tragic moment for sure. The lead singer passed away in a motorcycle accident on Halloween. But I don't know, I, I took that whole thing really, really positively. Like lately, just in general, like I, I've been thinking about just death a lot, which is a really weird thing to think about. But like, I think it's really important to think about dying and just to be okay with it. I'm flying on a plane tomorrow, right? The plane crashes, it's like, what can you do? Like, you just die. I don't know. Like, I So just, by being aware of your, that yeah. you will someday die, how does that affect you? Being aware your, of your own mortality, I think really kind of puts it, makes things more simple. You're not always scared of dying all the time or whatever. You're, you're more focused on like what you want to do in your lifetime than thinking about ways to just put off death. You know what I mean? It's like everyone dies. Like I can't believe people are so hard. People, so many people struggle with death. It's like it's the most common thing in the world. It's, it's, everyone who's born dies. Like you, you think by now like humans would be like really good with dealing with death. How old are you? 22. Okay, it gets different once you start actually looking that mortality in the face. Not that I am, but, you know, it, well, it gets different. We've had a lot of, like, my family's had a lot, a lot of deaths. Like, I've been to a 
decent amount of funerals. And, like, I've met a lot of people who've been, like, maybe one or two. I've been to, like, five or, or six. And a lot of them really tragic, not supposed to happen kind of things. But, like, I took the whole Mitch thing really positively and, like, kind of just, like, well, what did I learn from Mitch? What did Mitch teach me? What does Mitch stand for? How can I just use this image of what Mitch is to better myself now? Not bring myself down about all these these wonderful things I want to miss about this person, but how can I use all these wonderful things that I'm going to miss about this person, but how can I have them kind of live through me? And, like, that happened, like, right away. Like, it was I was kind of impressed of myself. I just took it really positively from the get-go, and uh, I just feel like it's... it's is death definitely not in vain? You know what I mean. If any, like I'm gonna benefit from all the things I learned from that guy and everything. You know what I mean. A big key player in my life thus far, and I'm gonna keep that. And the fans, I'm sure, feel the same way. And the family and the band members. What's his full name? Uh, Mitchell Adam Lucker. He stood for a lot of positive things. And like that's another thing. Like you don't really realize until someone's gone. It's like, what really did they stood for? And like all these inspirational quotes start coming out of things he would say that people weren't like really publicizing before and all of a sudden it becomes like really clear that he was like this kind of like huge figure for just like positive living and uh I don't know that rubbed off me really hard when he died because those are always emotional times and like I took it so positively around the time that I think it was a big boost as far as me as a person which is nice I think that's how everyone should feel because that's what he would want what better way to be remembered as by making yourself more positive by really by really reflecting on what someone stood for and like having them all really come full circle after the fact that's something that people should realize more day to day in life and that's another thing about with death that makes you appreciate life more often and it makes all the the things that are really important more important and a lot of like the really kind of like things that don't really matter all of a sudden start to not really matter and you can't be bothered with a lot of the stuff that you don't want to know about because there's a lot of better things to enjoy i think the more people think about mortality and death i think the more positive you get at least in my eyes i feel like the best day of my life should be like the day I die. You, you just should live exponentially better. And then you die and then it's done. Tom's Diner remix. You're shitting me. I love by Suzanne Vega. I love Tom's Whoa. Diner. <laughs> yeah. I'll play it tonight. Um, yes. Like, yes. It's just like a big beat. This, it's like you just gave me fucking goosebumps right now. I can't wait to hear this. We have to wrap this up. We do. Damn. I wish we could talk more. I wish we could just talk forever. Well, I mean, you're going to have to find your way up back to the East Coast. We're going to have to come visit well, you're you. Coming back, you're coming back in June for uh, Warped. You're coming, you're coming yeah. to Maryland. Yeah, we should just uh, go on the bus and just vibe out for We'll like, be there. We'll be there. As promised, here's my visit with Big Chocolate during Van's Warped Tour. 
during its stop in Columbia, Maryland. Joining me in this session was friend of the show, Ryan Moscolo. We spoke on the grounds of Meriwether Post Pavilion. Tell us where we are. We're in the woods. The Virginia wood? What state? Maryland. God, I get turned around on this thing, especially when all these woods start looking the same, you know what I mean? Um, we're, uh, I'm taking a, a picture for a tweet saying doing a madcap podcast in the woods, and we're deciding on filters. Should I do black and white or 1972? 72. Or 63? I say we do black and white. Looks pretty grim. So we should do like max like 10 minutes out here because it is, we are in the woods. We'll probably start getting bit by bugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that yeah. would be a cool podcast. Podcast in the woods. You ever done a podcast in the woods? No, have you? No. <laughs> you ever recommended such a situation before? I mean, you are directly responsible for this, and I'm very proud of you for putting us out here because this has boosted my day. Wow. Uh, it was all it was all you guys. You guys took the first leap. We walked up to the edge of this, and I was like, no way. And then you guys were like, come on. I don't know. These are different woods out here. Basically what's been going on, if you have a clue as to what we're talking about in the woods and stuff, we keep mentioning woods, but we're at the Vans Warped Tour, 2013. This is the D.C. date, but... Um, as Baltimore, Maryland, Virginia. If you know any Warped Tour dates, it's always not in the city that it's, it is. You know what I mean? Whoa. Stuff's <laughs> happening. Um, and uh, Madcap guys rolled through. Very lovely. And uh, here we are hanging out. You guys have seen kind of how it is. T- you... you it takes a long time to do very little things. Like eating takes like two hours to go do. But that's more a proximity issue. I mean, like it was just far. Yeah, well, there's just lines and what, was there lines? I don't know, you guys went to the catering. I was it there. was like going to like the cabin. It was like literally like your, your analogy to this place being like camp is so accurate. Cause like, did you ever do like sleepaway summer camps? I never did a sleepaway one. It's that little cabin where we got food. That was f- oh, sleepaway, sleepaway camp. That style, yeah. No, it, it, this is the closest thing I think you can compare it to summer camp it, as it gets. Like, we're, we're, we're camping out here, ladies and gentlemen. If you go to the Vans Warped Tour and you see someone with a laminate, they're, 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 they're camping. They're on, they're on summer camp. We're all, on, we're all on summer camp. So how was, um, how was your day, musically? Uh, day was great. Um, show was pretty crazy. There's uh, two mosh pits, Limp Bizkit style. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Why, when I got off stage, I was like, "Was it cool?" And you're like, "Yeah." It was a very electrifying set. First of all, the crowd was not had not been responsive to other sounds before that. You know what I'm saying? Before before your set, and they were pretty. They were they were. It was you definitely had a hype ass crowd. You know what I'm saying? They loved it, and I thought it was amazing as well. I mean, there's some there's certain tracks you've used that I've never heard, and. I thought those ones that you infused were pretty fucking sick. A high point of my day was, what's the hype man for, <laughs> what's the name? Grizzly? Yeah. Cool. Or Grizzly. MC Cool. <gasps> Hold that beautiful black man up. Hold, was, that, was, beautiful was, was, <laughs> <laughs> Hold that beautiful black man up. <laughs> that was definitely funny. And everyone starts going nuts. <laughs> and they didn't let him fall. He, gave, he was awarded a proper crowd surfing experience. Yeah, he definitely had the highlight of all his crowd surface today. <laughs> I was happy for him. What I want to know is, how often do you share music with other artists on the tour? I don't mean share. I mean, like, sit down and analyze. Do you do that with, with other artists? Yeah, but even our own bus, we got four DJs on it. 
Run DMT, Stefan Jacobs, Crisley, and myself. And uh, I don't know, I've had a, a pretty long time just sharing music with those guys. I met my merch dude, Bill, like the day before this tour. We've been kind of sharing music this whole time. That's nice too. That was a weird thing on the bus is there's four different crews and each crew's internal crew, most of them didn't know each other before this either. So like in Chrisley's camp, Chrisley, Chris didn't know his uh, merch guy before this and a few other things like that. So the first week was just basically living in really tight quarters with a bunch of strangers, which is always kind of weird. You know what I mean? A lot of first impressions the first week. <laughs> So there's how many total? On the bus? Twelve. You were on it. It's pretty it's pretty crowded on there, isn't it? It definitely feels a little crowded. If all twelve were on there, when we were on there, it definitely would have been yeah. like, you know what? There's been some days where we drive during the day, like through the desert. It feels like, you know those locked up shows? They'll showcase a prison where it's like 13 dudes in the cell and they're all just in their bunks and like, that's how it felt. Exactly how it felt. We're all just like hanging out of our bunks. There's nowhere to go. You could be alone. It's all hot, um, but I don't know. We also had an issue with our AC that day. Our bus is pretty jank. Um, some people have some really nice buses on this thing. Some people are in vans too. Heart, shout out to the, to the people in vans doing Warp Tour. That is beyond gnarly. Nothing about this is a walk in a park. For the love of the music. Basically, basically for that 30 minute set every day, which is, literally the best part of the day that's like the happiest time of the day for me hands down every every other part about this is either dealing with it or like man very sweaty and muggy and hard but you make i don't know i made a lot of lifelong friends on this so far and it's not even halfway through and i did the same thing last year like i met uh greaves and budo we shared a bus together and then shortly after Warp Tour, I moved to Seattle, and that's where they're based. And now we're like homies, you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're, we're real tight. They're like some of my best friends now. Stuff like that is unique. That shouldn't be a normal thing where you tour with all these random people that are at this thing. If you had to apologize to your busmates for anything, what would it be? I don't know. I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty good on that bus. <laughs> the only thing, I, I, I probably left my Razor scooter um, in the front a few too many times and my stage hat which is now my stage hat before this tour it was just my hat if I knew it was going to get ruined I would have brought a whole bunch of them and not worn the one I was wearing <laughs> but I keep that in the front on a hook and I think it's pretty gross <laughs> but I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good on the bus there's definitely some people that could have more apologies than I have if you know what I mean <laughs> All right, we'll leave it at that. Yo, I'm getting bit the fuck up. We got to get out of here. This is getting nutty. Let's go back and drink some tequila and have a good time. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Oh, my God. Special thanks to Van's Warp Tour, Steve's Promo, Jason Rudolph, Ryan Martinez, and Ryan Muscolo, and, of course, Cameron Argon, a.k.a. Big Chocolate. You can follow Cameron on Twitter, at Big Chocolate, hear his mixes on SoundCloud, and for more information, visit BigChocolate.us. Madcap is produced by Dan Bloom 
David Ross, and Afim Shapiro. MadcapDC.org. On Twitter, Facebook, and the Stitcher app, at MadcapDC.